Praise God. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. Thank you for opening up your word for us today and help us to receive the pure, perfect seed of the word of God into good ground that it may take root and bear fruit in our lives. Thank you for the anointing, Lord, that breaks every yoke. Thank you for meeting everyone who hears this message at their point of need, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to go back to Luke chapter 2, where we have been sharing the Christmas story from the good doctor, amen. And I want to continue on because it didn't end in the manger. Amen. That's right. (laughs) It's important that as believers, we don't leave Jesus in the manger. Amen. We need to allow him to grow up in our lives and in our hearts and in us. I want to read from Luke chapter 2, starting at the 21st verse. Christmas was just two days ago, and we just thank Him for coming, amen? Amen. He saw our desperation, and He loved us, and He came and provided a way, didn't He? Luke chapter 2, starting at the 21st verse. At the end of eight days, that is eight days after his birth, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. What would that be? The coming of the Messiah. Amen. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Important. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to the people of Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed that is opposed 
and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she had, was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Praise God. I want to take a look at those two people that were there in the temple. Quickly. Simeon was... Just like charismatic believers today. Amen. Although he wasn't because it wasn't a church yet. But like charismatic believers today, he operated in what? The power. Where does a Christian's power come from? The Holy Ghost. He operated by revelation of the Holy Ghost. Revelation knowledge and prophecy was working in this man. They didn't come in there and tell him, hey, we're about to be bringing in the Messiah. And the angel told us all these. They didn't tell him anything. These kids, they didn't know. They really didn't know much about what they had gotten into. I'll be honest with you. The spirit of prophecy came upon Mary when she was there with Elizabeth. And the same with Elizabeth. But I mean... They prophesied and still, but then they pondered all these things in their heart. They really, they knew they were in the midst of something awesome. But, but, but the point is, they didn't go in and share this with Simeon. He didn't have any foreknowledge. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he said these things. He had seen thousands of babies. You see, he had said this about none of them. He knew it when he took him in his arms. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he began to prophesy and to praise God and give him the glory and say, now I can depart in peace. In other words, his ministry was finished. All he was to do was to wait until he saw this baby and then to prophesy over him and to speak those, that revelation knowledge and the blessing of God over him. And now he could depart in peace. The thing is, what I, the point that Simeon can make to all believers today is that he didn't have anything that you don't have. Back then, the Holy Spirit would come upon people on special for special purposes and special occasions and for special reasons that God had in mind. But now, He lives in us all the time. And if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can have this revelation, knowledge. And see, this is something that frustrates um, lots of people with all sorts of 
shame hanging on their walls. Not that it's a shame to go to school, but things that they glorify themselves in. Their degrees and their doctorates and their seminary things. And they are frustrated with people like Charlie and like with Will and, and people like that who they can tell there's nothing special about although Charlie is quite educated but but the point is that they they have all these degrees and studies and things like that and they're saying where do you get all this understanding of the scriptures I never even saw that and they'll hear somebody like me and they're like wow and then I'll listen to myself and I'll go wow that's not me that's not Charlie that's the Holy Ghost and you can have that too you can hear God if you just listen amen what about Anna? Anna was around 100, I mean, she was, what, 84? So, if she was married at 14 or 16, probably, you know, probably in that age, she had been faithful and dedicated to serving God for a long, long time. Fasting and prayer, that was her ministry, fasting and prayer. She probably seemed like nothing. She was really probably... Not much in her culture. They had pitied her, probably. She had lived as a widow all of her life, basically. Since she was maybe in her early 20s. And she'd gone to the temple every morning, every night, fasted and prayed. And that was her ministry. I'm sure people didn't see it as anything special. Just like they probably didn't see Simeon as anything special. But Satan... What am I trying to say here? Satan tries to convince believers that they're nothing. And that their work is nothing. And that their ministry is nothing. He accuses them with things like, You're too old. You... Lack ability, you lack education, you have the past failures that he loves to remind us all of. This is the way he operates. But like Anna, we can serve God and he wants to use us. Age is certainly not a factor. And look at Moses. He was 80 years old. Before he began his actual ministry, he made an attempt at 40, but it wasn't God, wasn't in it. At 80 years old, he began his ministry, and he served until he was 120. His natural strength was not abated, nor his eyesight dimmed. Amen. And we have a better covenant with better promises. Who else? Abraham. He was about 100 years old when Isaac came. Right? That can be uh, a long wait when you're already old. When you get told something like that, you expect it. Well, you better hurry up. <laughs> it made Sarah laugh. Gideon. Who else? Gideon. He wasn't old, but he, was, he, he thought of himself as just nothing. He was hiding from God, the enemies of God. When the angel came and called him a mighty man of valor. <laughs> what? 
He must be talking about one of my brothers or something. Just like David's family. When the prophet came to anoint him as king, his father and his brothers, they didn't even think he should be considered. He was out there tending those few sheep. Gives me hope. Amen. That job, tending those few sheep, prepared him for Goliath, didn't it? Protecting those sheep from the lion and the bear. What's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 say in verse 27 and 28? God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. Something like that? The despised things, the foolish things. I don't want to turn there because I'll read the whole chapter. Isn't that what it says though? God has chosen the weak things, the foolish things, the despised things of this world to confound the wise, to confound those which are mighty. The thing, people that are wise and mighty in their own eyes, you see. God, God mocks them. If you feel like God has passed you by, if you feel weak, if you feel unworthy, if you feel foolish, if you feel like He forgot about you, look into the Word of God and begin to see yourself as God sees you. And you'll see things differently. You'll have a brighter outlook and you'll have hope. A confident expectation of good from God. Because that's what one of our entitlements. Talk about a, a, life, a time we live in of people that feel entitled. They feel entitled from the world and from the government and from carnal things. But we have entitlements that really keep us humble from God. But we have a rich inheritance in Him. And it blesses Him when we claim those things. When we remind Him of His promises and the things that He said and the blessings He's spoken over us. Amen? But as we end 2020 and we approach 2021, we want to finish strong, like Charlie said. We don't want to be like those naysayers who... I saw some minister recently posted something about I'll never, I'll never think of 2020 as anything perfect again like, as they do vision, you know. Spirit of slap, this comes all over me. <laughs> Preachers shouldn't be talking like that. If they want to talk like that, they need to go into their prayer closet and let the Lord straighten them out a little bit. We, above all people, should be thankful. We need to turn the page on all the negative things in this life. We need to be thankful for what, we, what God has done, what He's done even in the midst of adversity. 
And this is hard. You know, I, I, uh, I, I just, I cry easy anyway. But I was just sitting with my wife on Christmas. And I just, she says, what's wrong? I said, I'm just blessed by a friend of mine. He, he uh, his, his wife passed away on Christmas Day. Not unlike, you know, Miss Barbara's father passing. And you see, that would be an excuse for most people to just fall into a, a pity party. But here, you see Miss Barbara sitting in church on Sunday. Thankful, praising God. And that's what my friend did. He, and they're not that old, maybe a few years older than me. But his wife passed and he was giving God glory and praising God. Not because she passed, but because she lived. And he knows he'll be with her again. No pity party. I was blown away. I cried. (laughs) I'm sure he did too. But not, not to the world, you know. Need to turn the page on some things, just like Simeon did. All right, I've fulfilled this ministry. Now I can move on. In his case, he was looking forward to going home. To Christians, really no difference. Like Paul said, it don't matter. Stay here. It's a blessing because I get to pour into people more. And they, you know, the Bible says, "He who saves souls is wise." <laughs> so Paul just stay and pour up more, save up more blessings for himself. When he finally got home, or go on home and be with the Lord, either way, he wins. I guess I win. It's like Barbara's dad said, "Amen." We win. We won the day we claimed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Death has lost its sting for us. Before we move into the new year. I want to remind everyone of the power of thankfulness. And, you know, in our nation, we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? You know, we have religious liberty, for starters. As Christians, that should mean everything to us. So much of the world does not. We have so many translations of this Bible. And, you know, in some countries that's illegal. And if there is one for their language, they're not allowed to have it. By law. You know, I've got one of those shirts that says, it's got a cred cross on it. It says this shirt is illegal in, I don't know how many countries it says. So 39 or something like that. It said some places you'd be put to death. Believe it or not, uh, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie and Michelle, but even when y'all were in Israel, you said that you couldn't publicly preach the gospel. Isn't that right? That's in Israel, folks. (laughs) Our nation enjoys religious liberty. We have over half of the evangelical ministers in the world are here in the United States. We have outreach that goes all over the world. And that's what that's what it's going to take for everyone to hear the gospel before Jesus returns. Amen. Amen. So we're blessed to have this 
platform for which to send people like Charlie and others that go and all the different forms of media and things like that to get the messages out there. I can stand right here in this humble setting and on and be ministering a week from now. This message will be heard by someone in Moscow or in Iceland or something. I'm, I'm amazed sometimes at the places where people are listening to the messages. What a blessing that is. We have a lot to be thankful for. Our godly heritage in this country is something they're trying to do away with and cover up and rewrite. But it's a blessing. Thinking of the power of thanksgiving, I I, I need to turn to Jesus. Just let's look at, at, at John chapter 6 for a moment. And I want to show you something that you may or may not have seen. But it jumps out at me, and I just say, wow. Because you know everything, all the treasures in this book are hidden in here, not from you, but for you, because you're His. The same reason He loves you, not because you're lovely, but because you're His. Amen? I know a friend that went to to heaven briefly and got a visit into heaven and hell. And this person said that uh, there was all these multitudes going over here. And they said, who who were those? And Jesus said, those are my sheep. Those are my sheep. Those were were your brothers and sisters. Amen. John chapter 6 verse... uh, How far back do I want to go? After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I'll start at the first verse. Which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread? So that these people may eat. He's testing one of his disciples. He said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him. 200 denarii. That's about a, a, year's, a year's pay. Okay, 200 denarii worth of bread. Would not be enough for each of them. Just to get a little. In other words. We don't, that's, that's a lot of people to feed. He's thinking in the natural. Right? One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Now, I could just keep reading because I just love it, but I've already covered my point. I want to ask you something. Jesus took that kid's lunch... 
And he said, 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. And so, it's safe to assume... <laughs> if, if, it, if he fed 5,000 men, not clear, it's safe to assume that it was at least 10,000, right? <clears throat> Even if it was just 5,000. That's a lot more than a boy's sack lunch can feed, right? So what did Jesus do? Can you tell me his prayer? What did he pray? Verse 11 is the only thing that it mentions what he did. And what did he do? He gave thanks. He He didn't pray. All he did was give thanks. And he multiplied that little lunch into a feast for everyone. And he gathered up more leftovers than he started with. After he fed those 10,000 or however many people it was. Isn't that powerful? To me, that, that just, that makes a big impact on me. Jesus didn't even have to pray. He just thanked the Father. And he started doing what he knew God wanted to do. Amen. That's awesome. Look on the other side of the coin, though. At an unthankful heart. And we could read this from Romans chapter 1. Another familiar passage of scripture. But in Romans chapter 1. Verse. Oh. Let's see. Let me start at the 18th verse. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, that's Elohim. The name you hear in the first scripture of the Bible. That's one of God's name. And divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. No one's going to stand before God and say, I had no idea there was God. He'll call them a liar. He won't have to. They'll know. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. You see that? But... They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Coming out of a time 
of year, which has become very commercialized. I, 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 um, I always shudder. It makes me sad when I go into places now like uh, Home Depot and Lowe's and some of the big box stores like that, and you can't find a single uh, thing uh, for Christmas um, in the uh, decorations and all that about the Lord Jesus. You know, it's happy holidays. There's no angels for the tree. There's no uh, nativity set. You know, they don't have, it's all very uh, PC now, very politically correct. And I may, uh, you know, there may be some, some of those places. I don't know. But I've seen a lot, a lot uh, of places that don't have anything. I went to Target one time and couldn't even find a Bible. But the point is, it's become very commercialized. And here, we're seeing what happens to an unthankful heart. People that don't recognize and acknowledge God. Paul was talking about the whole human race here. First of all, they didn't glorify God. And because they didn't give him the glory for anything, they didn't give him thanks for anything. And the results of that was their hearts and minds were darkened and hardened, you see. And because of that, they entered into idolatry. Which a lot of things can be idols in our lives. It could be anything. From money to a job, a relationship, a person. Anything. It's like that light is God. And anything that gets here and blocks. Gets in between you and God first. That's an idol. Some people say, let me see your checkbook. I'll tell you what your idols are. <laughs> first thing I say, the first thing you think about in the morning, last thing at night. Look at that. You know, just to just to do a little introspective. I don't like people to be too introspective. It can lead to bad things. But we should take inventory sometimes, examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. The Bible tells us to do. Because if we'll judge ourselves, then he won't have to, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, but God, we know he lovingly corrects us through his word, but it still can be hard sometimes. I know people that aren't sitting here today because they're offended by the word. Amen. They've offended by other things. That's a bad place to be. I don't, people come to tell me, oh, I'm going to start coming to your church or should I, I'm going to go to this church. Okay, awesome. What's God say? What's God say? What's God's plan? What's this season in your life? What's he saying? Well, I didn't like those so-and-so over there. I said, yeah, hold on. We need to talk a little bit. You know? Nevertheless, so they were turned over to idolatry, immorality, perversion. These are all the things that come from a lack of God in, God in your life. And in summary... Go down to verse 29 right there. And he summarizes it right here, 29 to 32. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, 
insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Does it sound like anything uh, that you see today? Well, that's our mission is to go after that, to vacate hell and to populate the kingdom of God. And we have to love those which aren't lovely. Amen. It's hard sometimes. Most of the people, even Christians that I know, they when they talk about doing things or being nice or giving things to people, they say, well, they did this for us or they did that. You know, okay, well, that's good. You should do those things. But Jesus said, you don't have any benefit from that. If you're only good to those that are good to you, well, the world does that. <laughs> this is a supernatural life. We're, supp- we're supposed to be able to, well, just look at Jesus. How, how he forgave and asked for forgiveness for those who were killing him. And until we've lived up to that standard, we, we still haven't. We still got more to do. Amen. Amen. God wants us to get our hopes up, folks. We need to be thankful people. We have a lot to be thankful for, even when things bad are happening all around us. And we don't ignore those things. You know, there's there's hurting, there's pain. I know it. I feel it. I pray for those people and lots more. <laughs> and so I have to hear these things all the time. You know, Sometimes I have to cut them off so that I can stay in faith. Things are so bad. It's like going up to get me to pray for something and trying to show me the sore or whatever. Don't let me see that. You want me to get into unbelief with you? <laughs> Fear? Just let me pray. <laughs> I don't need to know all the gory details. Just give me the, the basics and I'll, I'll pray. <laughs> I don't want to get down there and start getting into fear and unbelief with you and have to fight that off all night before I can start praying for your problem. <laughs> but God wants us to dream big. He wants us to get our hopes up. And... The way, that we, the way that we receive everything that Jesus has provided by grace is by faith, right? And faith worketh by love. Without love, and you know, this, is, this goes both ways. You need to be a, you need to, the, the, this is the way that, that the world will recognize Jesus' disciples. He said so himself, is that I, is they'll see our love one for another. You see, so that's first. But really, the revelation of God's love for us is what's the more important thing, because out of that will produce the overflow of your love for others. You see, you won't be able to give away what you don't have. And that was one of the hardest things for me is just receiving God's love. I felt so unworthy. And it was really hard for him. He had to beat me over the head with grace. (laughs) So he marked my life with it. And he had a lot of fun with me about it. And those of you who've read know what I'm talking about to some extent. But I love him because he loves me. 
And that's what the Bible says. We don't, and if we don't love our brother whom we can see, how can we say that we love God whom we can't see? He actually calls us a liar if we say that. So it's important that we get into love so that we can stay in faith and so we can get our hopes up and that our our past is uh, our, our, never bigger than our, our future. Amen? Philippians 3 that Paul that that uh, Charlie was reading from earlier comes to mind and it's a perfect passage of scripture for the new year because just as a reminder I'll read it again Philippians 3 and 13 I'll read the two verses brothers I do not consider that I've made it my own but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus and he challenges us that all of those that are mature uh, should think that way we need to put all the negative things uh, behind us. And even we need to forget about some of the, the victories. You know, when I used to spend my days and nights out on a bar stool, as the song said, um, all I remember just listening to all the stories about what people did long ago. How great they were long ago. How tough they were. Long ago, you see, it was so sad and sickening. <laughs> and we need, we need to forget not only our past failures, but some of our past victories. We can't just rest on our laurels. God said, okay, now move on. What, you know, you're not finished. <laughs> Don't just be complacent. Now that you've done a little good, I've got more for you to do if you're willing. Amen? We need to... We need to believe and forgive in order to stay in a position of thankfulness and faith. And Mark 11 talks about that, and then I'll just end. I'm just thinking of things right now that are imperative to us staying in a position, positioning ourselves to receive, to keep the channel open, to keep our receivers on, right? Remember what we talked about, how God's transmitter's never broken? It's our receivers that get off a little bit. And if we get out of thankfulness, and we get into bitterness, and we get into unforgiveness, and we get into all these other things, well, you see from Romans chapter 1 the things that that produces in people's lives. It's automatic. It's a process, too. And so when we discover that we're, hey, you know, I find myself grumbling a little more today than being thankful. I find myself observing the negative because how many of you know there's negative in everybody? There's, there's some there's bad things. And if you're the one that's the first to observe that, you need to go take to do a checkup from the neck up. Because you need to be the one that when everybody else is criticizing and finding the one bad thing, well, yeah, it was really beautiful. Uh, occasion, but I, you know, I didn't like the food, or I didn't like the music, or I didn't like the. I wouldn't have done it that way. If you're that person, <laughs> you need to become the person that goes, yeah, but you know, this was wonderful. This was beautiful. And did you see this wonderful thing? 
You know, just be the person that tries to turn the thing around into a godly conversation. Let's pray for that person. Let's, let's pray about that. What's God say? Oh, we don't need to be running somebody down. Judge not lest you be judged. Amen? <laughs> Isaiah, I was going to talk about Mark real quick because I, it always makes an impression on me what Jesus says. And some people miss things like this. But in Mark, the 11th chapter... Um, and the 24th verse is one that we use all the time to talk about believing and receiving. And how it's a kingdom of opposites from what the world says. The world says, well, when I see it, I'll believe it, right? And we say, well, then you, if, if you do that in the kingdom of God, trying to receive from God, you're never going to see it. Because he says, believe and then you'll receive, right? So Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus is talking and he says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, okay? So we're talking about receiving our, getting our prayers answered. That's, that, that's what that's leading up to, right? Whatever you ask in prayer. So right now is where people should be going. Because he's saying anything, whatever you ask for. Now, there's some contingencies. When Jesus is talking like this, he's talking to believers and he's expecting you to be walking with the Lord and believing in accordance with the will and the ways of God because that's who you've now become. Amen. So he's not talking about believing for negative or, or ungodly things. But he said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You see that? You see, the world says... I tell them, you know, God wants you well. And they say, I hope so. I say, no, that's not hope. That's not, that's not Christian hope. Christian hope is a confident expectation of good in God. Not a wishing and a, and a hoping like that, like the world does. So he said, believe it first. And then just, you just stand. You continue to stand in faith. You send your faith out to grab hold of that thing that you are believing for. And you don't, you don't let it rest until it comes back with it. How's that? That's a, that's a good picture. Okay. So believe, but I'm not finished. What I'm trying to show you is this. Because people stop and say, stop there. But listen to the 25th verse. Because Jesus added this in the same conversation. He said, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Do you see that? If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. I'm here to tell you that unforgiveness and bitterness will hinder your prayers and it will keep you in bondage. And that is not what God... God wants you to be free. He wants you to be carefree. You've never seen sheep going around with a pack on their back. And that's how God wants you to be free, unhindered. Because forgiving someone, what's that saying? Is that it's like finding that you've released someone from prison and then finding out that you were the inmate. Hello? <laughs> it's us who gets into prison. God says in, in Proverbs, as long as we keep our eyes on someone else, this is an accusatory eye, right? Uh, a hateful or unforgiving 
uh, or blaming, uh, accusing I. Who's the accuser of the brethren, by the way? Satan. Satan. So when you're doing that, get it? But it says when you have your eye on someone else, God will keep his on you. And that's not in a good way. You see what I'm saying? He's watching how you are acting like the devil instead of like... It's just like you when, when your child or your grandchild or whatever to start acting like the devil, you're looking at them like... That's going to stop. And it's not because you hate them. It's because I'm not going to let you be that way. That's not who you're going to be. You're not going to be like the devil. I'm going to challenge Satan's claim on your life until he's gone. Because it says... In my book, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen? God says you you spare the rod, you spoil the child. And he says if you don't discipline your children, you hate them. So the same with us. If we start getting out out of our new character who we are in Christ, which we're supposed to have the character of God now. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If those things are not operating in your life, then you've let the enemy come in and fill you with some lies and deception somewhere. And you need to get back on track. Amen. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. And then I'll, I'll wrap it up here. I having fun with y'all today. Amen. Y'all getting anything out of this? God talking to somebody, isn't he? <laughs> I guarantee you, when I listen to this tomorrow, I'll be on my knees repenting <laughs> and trying to get things straight for the new year. Amen. I want to get it right. Praise God. Isaiah 43. Tell me when I find it. I mean, tell me when... When you find it. (laughs) Isaiah 43. Verses 18 and 19. Remember not the former things. Nor consider the things of old. Behold I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? God wants to do a new thing in your life in 2021. A good thing. He says forget about the old things. And let's start looking at the new. Because what's the last thing he said there? Do you perceive it? Can you see it? I remember... uh, Oh, one of our minister friends tells a story all the time how he was... He... uh, About another minister who who was visiting a church and he was a traveling... Uh, evangelist and he had uh, a gift of healing he operated in gifts of healing and uh, the minister's wife she she wore coke bottle glasses we call them he really couldn't see at all and and uh, and this minister had been praying and and, and for people and and getting them uh, healed from God and uh, and she just knew that he was gonna she was kind of shy, kind of like if you pictured Tavana, you know, loves everybody, but, you know, kind of scared of everybody. I don't know, She's, until she gets to know you, and then she'll talk your ear off, right? But, but she, she just knew that he was going to pick on her, 
It does remind me of the Tamana. We walked in church, to a church one time and the, and the pastor there, he started prophesying. He grabbed her and he got right in her face like that and started prophesying to her. And she ran out of the church and got in the car. And, uh, and she just sat out there and she said, I'll just sit in the car and read the Bible, right? And said, It'll make up for me running out of the church. And so she started reading, uh, uh, what, what's the book, uh, uh, that's so scary that talks about them eating their babies and everything. That's where she turned to. Uh, <laughs> lamentations. It just scared her even more. <laughs> it took a while to get all that undone, you know. But anyway, this preacher's wife was scared that he was going to come and, and make a and make her stand up in front of everybody and whatever. And anyway, finally on the last day, he did get her. And he, he told her, I want to pray for you. And she said, I knew it, you know. And he said, take off your glasses and this and that. And he said, uh, now close your eyes. And he prayed for her. And he says, now, can you see? And she opened her eyes. He said, shut your eyes. So shut her eyes. He said, well, can you see now? And she opened her eyes again. He said, no, shut your eyes. And then the third time, he said, don't open your eyes again. Keep your eyes shut and tell me when you can see. And finally she got it. And she said, I can see. I can see now. And he said, all right, now open your eyes. And she opened her eyes and her vision was 20-20. Amen. Perfect. Can you perceive it? If you can see it, you see, hope gives faith a target. But if you can't see it, you got to dream big. You got to dream bigger than your bank account. You got to dream bigger than your physical abilities. You got to dream bigger than anything you can do in your own strength and resources, and then it might be God. You see? And then if you will see it, if you can only see it, you can achieve it. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 4.26, and I'll finish here, even though I don't want to. It tells us to consider, to ponder, to pray with God for our goals. That's not what it says. Let me go see what it says. Proverbs 4.26. Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. God is wanting us... Some people don't like to set New Year's resolutions. Some people don't like... And some of that stuff can get you into a place where you you set goals that are just going to make you feel more condemned and like a failure, stuff like that. So I get that. So you shouldn't just make up stuff on your own, Right? But God does want you to consider your path, ponder your ways. He wants you to go and sit with Him. And I would encourage everybody to go and sit with God and think about the the last year. Think about everything. Thank God for all He has done, all He continues to do. And then ask Him what He wants for you and has for you in the future. While you're holding your Bible and you have your paper right there, 
And I don't care how long it takes. But just believe God and just start just writing some things out. Consider, ponder, pray with God about godly goals, godly vision. And you'll be surprised when it comes to 2022 how many of those things that God has accomplished. You know, just like everything else, you got immediate goals, short, mid, long term, but include God is the point. Make sure it's a godly goal and He's sure to make it come to pass if you will help Him by being thankful in advance for Him doing it and being able to envision it already has happened. I think of our friend Andrew Womack. He he says it, and I've come to this place too where people call me all the time and they tell me, they give me praise reports um, about something that I already forgot about praying about. And then when they tell me, of course I'm blessed, but I don't get real excited sometimes because I've already 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 claimed that thing and I already believed it and saw it. And so when they tell me that they've finally seen it, basically because it's in the natural now, I'm, I'm just... There he is, you know. I'm I'm already ready for the next thing. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Lord, I speak a blessing of prosperity and vision and thankfulness and health and wholeness. For healing everywhere they hurt. Spirit, soul, and body. Empowerment through your promises. Love, healed relationships, healed marriages, healed finances, healed bodies. Thank you, Lord, for restoring, for resetting the soulish realm, the mind and will and emotions, and bring everyone into agreement with you, Lord. That they may enjoy all the peace, love, and joy that they seek in in this coming year. I believe this is going to come to pass. Thank you, Lord, for this ministry, for this church. Thank you for all of those that you have to come here. And all those who will come, Lord. Thank you for the overflow that we'll need. Thank you for all of the blessings that you've bestowed upon us and that you have for us in the future. Thank you for vision for purpose, for making an impact locally and abroad. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.